Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Dan Gilbazan, and you're listening to the GeekCast Radio Network. Jazz here. And I am so digging the GeekCast Radio Network. Cliff Jumper, commence countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. Now, Toycast. Oh, yes. Listen in to the only toy podcast you will ever need. Ladies and gentlemen, this is TFG and Mike, and I am so sorry to everyone, the listeners, but especially to Josh and especially to Michael Tommaso from Times Past Collectibles that this episode is so very, very late. This was episode 114 of ToyCast. This was recorded back in summertime, I believe. I don't remember. And if you hear any sound effects in the background on my end right now, we are having a huge windstorm here in the state of Washington. So that's what's going on there if you hear anything. However, Josh... Mr. Floorburger, Mr. Floodburger, Mr. Insert F. Burger here kind of person was working with Michael at his shop, Times Past Collectibles, and they had a conversation. So I hope everyone enjoys this. There's been a lot that has happened to me since they recorded this, and I will talk about that in the closing. But for now, enjoy this conversation between Josh and owner of Times Past Collectibles, Michael Tommaso, right now. Hey, thanks a lot, Mike. Yeah, hey, we are here live at Times Past Collectibles with shop owner Michael Tommaso. Uh, Thank you very much, Michael, for having us in here. I had a great time spending the day with all these fantastic toys. How you doing? I'm awesome. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. So we're going to do kind of a uh, an abbreviated Origins interview here. That's sort of a trademark of, of ToyCast uh, Toy Radio. And, uh, you know, we're going to go through a couple things about you and your background and your shop. So one of the first questions I just have to ask, 
Do you remember the first toy you remember having as a kid? Do you remember that? Putting you right on the spot to start off with here. Yes, I do. I got a uh, Sears G.I. Joe Vamp, uh, the vehicle, for Christmas, and I went crazy because it was my first time, probably in 1983, when I actually was able to play with G.I. Joe, which is my favorite. So, so uh, that probably set off a lot of stuff I still see here in your store. You have some fantastic uh, examples of G.I. Joe that looks like they are fresh off of the pegs in 1991, some of them, some of them right from the 80s. Um, so, uh, what were some of your favorite types of toys to play with? I think this is going to be pretty obvious at this point. Well, my first love was always Star Wars, but then uh, after Star Wars fizzled out in 83, then I got hooked on G.I. Joe, and I've been a uh, G.I. Joe guy ever since. I love their toys. I love They're just awesome, you know. brings back good memories and lots of good G.I. Joe battles. In my house and my buddies, and also in my cousin's house. So, in all those battles, did you ever have anything that stood out to you? Any toys that stood out to you more than others? You know, even now you have a, a store filled with phenomenal toys. Is there anything that you're like, wow, that was particularly awesome? Uh, what is it, 1985? Uh, for Christmas, Santa Claus brought me in my terror drone, and I played with that thing for weeks on end. I still have it. I still got the original box, which I found up from my mother's. My mom and dad's had it, which is cool because the box is a pretty nice thing that you know, the, the The Terradrome's a little torn up, but I got parts to fix it. Just like a neat time. So, obviously, enjoying G.I. Joe's, Cobra, Star Wars, you, you have different sides. Did you prefer good guys or bad guys? Always the, always the bad guys. I. I always loved Cobra. I thought the soldiers were pretty cool and badass, in my opinion. And they had the coolest weapons and vehicles and all of like really cool stuff. So you just mentioned the Terradrome. Is that still your all-time favorite uh, vehicle or playset, or do you have something else that you would say is your all-time favorite? Uh, I would definitely say the Terradrome. It's, I still have it in my basement and stuff, and I'll be with me until I die. I love G.I. Joe, what can I say? It's pretty cool stuff, well made, and, you know, now it's 40 plus years old, so. Well, so you deal toys from all different eras. I'm looking around the store, I see stuff as early as the 70s, maybe a little bit earlier than that, depending on where I look, and I see stuff as recent as just released in the last month or so. Ooh. <laughs> in technical difficulties, let's move on, shall we? You have toys from all different eras, from as early as the 70s, maybe earlier, to stuff that was released very recently. Uh, what do you feel makes a good toy? Because you're kind of seeing everything of the greatest toys that have ever been made in the last 30, 40 years. Um, the articulation, if they can move their hands or weapons arms or legs, you can pose them and stuff like that. That's why I think I like G.I. Joe more, because you could pose them in like, all these different poses and, you know, they could lay on their stomachs and shoot the good guys or the bad guys, or you could you know, put them in vehicles and sit them in there and stuff like that. So. Well, you have again, a lot of stuff we're looking at here. I In front of me, I see some of the newer turtle stuff in the package, and then right around the corner, you've got a ton of loose turtle stuff, but for you, do you prefer leaving things in the package, or do you like opening them up more? I'm kind of weird. Uh, people know me very well. I like to buy two of everything, so I have two of everything. 
And then either I find stuff loose, I'll keep that, or I'll, I, I'm like weird. If it's in the package, I won't open it, I don't know why, but I like to have stuff in the package and loose, too. I love loose. I think it's pretty cool, too. Um, so I'm kind of, uh, I really like to have two a beach thing, and then if I find one at a toy show or a uh, toy shop or something, I definitely keep it. I think definitely, uh, as you're probably starting to learn as somebody who has a part-time job of hunting down collections and hunting down things to buy, we have some limited commodities around us. There's only so many packaged Han Solos with the trench coat. There's only so many of those left in the world, and we're all hunting them down. So, you know, it's it's interesting to find out, like, who still wants to open that up or who has opened them up in the past. Um, let's go to the next question. This, this I might be able to guess. As a kid, if you're only allowed to choose one toy franchise to collect from the entire rest of your life, which one would you choose? Oh, there's only one answer, G.I. Joe. Yeah. I, I was going to say G.I. Joe, close second probably being Star Wars. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so as an adult collector and dealer and seller, looking back at the last 30 to 40 years, do you prefer vintage toys or modern toys? I like the vintage because I grew up with it. I know the figures. I know the parts and pieces and stuff like that. But on the other side, I just got into like uh, liking uh, black series and stuff like that. And I also like the G.I. Joe Classifieds. I think the G.I. Joe Classifieds and black series are pretty awesome. Like, I think they're very well sculpted. You can move their arms and legs, their head. You can accessorize, like especially the G.I. Joe Classifieds. I don't know. They, I, To me... Yeah, they're really knocked it out of the ballpark for both the Black Series and also the I'm 50-50. I do like my vintage, don't get me wrong. It's like a little kid when I find nice Joe Lots or Star Wars, but they're classified in uh, Black Series. It's sort of the the best manifestation of those particular toys. It's like everything you ever wanted in a G.I. Joe, you get everything you ever wanted in a Han Solo, you get it. But there's still something very charming, even about the old five points of articulation Han Solo, I think. So, you buy toy lines all the time. You buy all sorts of stuff all the time. Even though there are always toy lines that people never purchase, are there any that you specifically and purposely avoid, either as a collector or a buyer or seller? Is there anything that you're just like, no, I will not touch that no matter what? Beanie Babies. I get probably five calls a week to ask my Babies well, and people aren't going to be able to put their kids through college with Beanie Babies anymore? Uh, the lady that called me last night, she was pretty upset. She should donate them to a children's hospital. She hung up on me. Oh. <laughs> That's actually not a bad idea, though. That's it. Give it to some children who appreciate it. Yeah. In a world. There. I said it. Happy. You've bought and sold a lot of things. Is there anything that you wish that you got that you wish you had not purchased, whether as a collector or as a seller? Anything that you're just regretting ever having purchased? No, because I bought my childhood baby. And the stuff now that, you know, I have a full-time job, I work very hard, you know, at the shop and stuff like that. Uh, I've been kind of like toy hoarding a lot of the G.I. Joe stuff. I've been fighting, uh, I know this sounds crazy, but I have like five USS flags. So, like... Doesn't I, sound crazy at all these days. No, uh, just, I don't know. I never had it as a kid. I didn't know it existed, like, 20, 30 years ago until 
I saw it on a TV show. I'm like, I never saw that. There's a place that had the stores. Like Toys R Us, Hershey, Adventure. All the places my parents went to and bought toys and toys are us too. I never saw them until they blacked out. And now, for some reason, they just keep coming up and I keep finding them. <laughs> so, you have a lot of inventory both in the shop, a lot of inventory that you have in storage. But your own personal collection, uh, how large or small is that collection? Does it take up a whole house? Is it one room, a shelf? Where are you at? What would you say if you... If uh, I you... have a uh, whole bedroom uh, that I'm, me and my buddy is helping me work on. Uh, I got uh, all my gels, all my flags in the room. Uh, I'm a big uh, fan of Kenner Mask. I don't know if you know what that is. Yep, but yep, yep. I'm a huge mask guy. I could never afford it because when you went to the store... Remember, they were between fifteen and twenty dollars. I mean, you got ten dollars every other week for allowance and stuff like that. Back in the early eighties, you could only buy a couple figures or a couple of this. You would have to save up to go buy like the mask and transformers stuff like that. But um, my room is pretty basic right now. Eventually, when I get some extra cash, I'm gonna buy a display case and then stuff that uh, my mother and my grandmother and my grandpa gave me. I'm going to put it in um, a case, just separate. I have the, almost all the G.I. Joe loose figures that I bought like about 10, 12 years ago. Um, so I'm going to put all that like separate, like the stuff that I'm from my childhood, and then all the stuff that I love and care for. And stuff. So when it comes to when you finally can display all of those toys, do you think you're going to display it with the possibility of other people to view it, or is it just going to be for your own personal preferences? Uh, for everybody. I, I think people that collect toys, they love to show off their collection. I mean, I think I have a pretty decent collection. It's not like some of these rich guys, and I see you drop like forty, fifteen, hundred thousand dollars at shows and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's moderate. You know what I mean? It's like what I can afford and what I got. You know, and I'm very happy. I, I got some. I, as a Joe guy, and you guys should know this, like, I was able to get a Snake Eyes, a Storm Shadow, and I just recently got, I spent a lot of money on them, Firefly, because as a kid, I got it at Sears, and I played it at my cousin, or left it at his house, or whatever, and it disappeared at the time, and then, finally, one of the guys on the Joe pages had it, and I bought it, and it was the best decision I ever made, and now I have it in my personal collection, and stuff like that, but... You know, it's, it's sometimes you are able to find it uh, hidden uh, diamond in the rough, I guess you could say, and put it in your collection. So. This is always an obligatory question on the ToyCast podcast because uh, we've got our, our producer, our director, our, our Wizard of Oz, Mike Blanchard, who loves Funko Pops. Are you a Funko Pop fan? I love the delayed response on this. Here's a dilemma. I know they're really popular and they're really good and stuff like that. And I understand my business partner refuses to have them in the shop. Um, me, I'm kind of like, we should have them in the shop because everybody, like one out of ten people always ask for them. And I feel bad because they come here disappointed when they come to the shop and we don't have them. I mean, I like to get them, but I got to do more research like, the stuff, like the vintage stuff, I know, and some of the newer stuff that comes out, but the Funko Pops, I mean, every week there's like 10, 20, 30, 50 different Funko Pops, I can't keep up with them. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm trying to get into it, but it's there's just so much out there, I can't, yeah, no, I can't I, grasp it. I hear you. Well, I am shocked and dismayed. Well, now you can't be both. You'll be shocked, I'll be dismayed. So this is maybe a tough question, Nick, because you drop money to buy collections every so often. Are you willing to say how much you ever, the most you ever spent on a single toy? Maybe not a whole collection, but the most you ever spent on a single toy. Uh, I bought 20 of my favorite G.I. Joe Carter figures about uh, five years ago. I was able to, uh, a toy shop in Chicago had a uh, gentleman who walked into the shop and he had, um, he had uh, the whole entire G.I. Joe collection from 82 to the mid-90s, I guess, 92, 93, 94, I guess, that era. And if my wife ever found out, she'd probably kill me. Uh, I went into my uh, savings account and I dropped $6,000. But wow. the, as a collector, you know when you see something, and I'm weird, like, if I don't see it ever in my whole entire life and they're dead mint on the card, like, you'll never find it unless you get it graded or you find that collection down the merry way. I had to have them. I mean, I got Major Blood, Baroness, Destro, uh, uh, Tracker, um, or Stalker. Um, I mean, I got so many Carter figures. I, I mean... If my wife actually found out, she'd probably beat me up and kill me. Well, we will make sure she never listens to this. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> um, but, and then, was, but I was very happy. It's like one of those childhood dreams, you know? Now you save some money up and you find it, those items that you didn't have as a child. And you're like, damn, I want that. I need that. And that's why I'm like, give me a day or two. And uh, I was able to come up with a coin and go over there and bought them cash. So. That's great. You know, and then on the flip side of that, what was the cheapest toy you ever bought, but may have held the most value? This, especially because you bought lots of stuff. Where if you break it down by, um, I would say my I the Kenner mask. I was able a couple of years ago. Some guy had on Craigslist a whole like ten or twelve of them boxed, and I bought them all. I went crazy because. I don't know. I'm weird. I, stuff that I didn't have as a kid, like now I'm being able to come back and find toys that I love and I didn't have and play with still, I guess you could say, and collect them still. So, so what? what's, if you were to say you are currently collecting anything right now, what is a line that you're still currently collecting or a line or two that, or three lines, plural, that you're collecting? Star Wars, uh, G.I. Joe, uh, some He-Man stuff. Um, Transformers, my buddy uh, got me hooked on, um, what do you call it? Uh, you know, I always loved Transformers, but they were always so expensive. And, you know, I passed on two lots, which I should have never did, but I did. Now I kicked myself in the butt. But now I'm trying, like, I have almost a whole entire loose collection of Transformers that I decided to keep for myself. And that I also have... Um, I've been buying a lot of box ones too. So, working the shop today, I was here six, seven hours, and I think about, let's say, conservatively about 25 people, 30 people came through, and only about three or four kids. 
mostly people around our age, late 30s, early 40s, a few younger folk because there was a K-pop event just down the street that drew a pretty large crowd and a few of them trickled by. Uh, But what do you think makes or what do you think it is about our generation now that causes our childhood toys to mean so much more to us as these late 30s, early 40s adults than even like our parents' generation? Me personally, I don't know. There's a lot of toys. Like, I was like an early 80s child, so like, I still love Star Wars and stuff like that. And then when I started collecting about uh, hardcore, about probably about 15 years ago, I decided like, I couldn't believe that some of the stuff, I'm like, I didn't know that it existed, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. when you started collecting, because there wasn't the internet and eBay and, uh, I mean, there was eBay, but, like, I didn't know much about toys. But then once I graduated college in 2000, I started noticing, like, once in a while, you go to a garage sale or state sale or something like that, and you, you found that toy. And like, man, I did How much is it? 20 bucks? Yeah, no problem. I'll buy it. And then now it's just like, you know, now I'm trying to find my childhood back and get the best and brightest, I guess, thing, toys for myself, I guess. Well... On the, the subject of motivation of buying toys, let's talk about the toy resale industry, which is a huge chunk of your, your life currently. Uh, when and how did you get into buying and selling toys? Well, see, what happened was uh, in 2012, uh, there was that, or 2010, uh, that Jordan Hembro TV show called um, Toy Hunter. Yeah. And me and my wife, I'm like, you know, we were, I'd get home from work, and I had it on the DVR, and then I would start watching I'm like, oh, my God, I remember having that. Oh, my cousin, oh, my buddy had this. And I'm like, how cool is that? I'm like, I can't believe. I thought, like, most people just threw out their toys and stuff like that. Um, but uh, then I started getting hardcore into collecting, and then one of my buddies told me about estate sales. I mean, I always went to garage sales at Craigslist, but then, like, I got kind of like hooked on a bug, man. It was like plastic crack or crack rock, I guess. And I was able to like, you know, find my childhood. Like Joe, Star Wars, T-Man, Transformers. I couldn't believe the stuff that's out there, you know. Especially going to estate sales and finding all these huge lots that these parents got their kids. And, you know, you go to some of these people that were rich and you find like, oh my God, dude, they had two of everything, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so, what's one thing you enjoy about buying and selling? It's happiness. I, I think people who grew up in, like, I'm 44, you're 44 years old. Uh, you know, my thing is, it brings happiness. It brings that, that um, what is it? Uh, that isn't that big Endorphins. Endorphins. Yeah. And, like, oh my God, like, this is awesome. For me, it's the hunt. I love hunting for toys. I do it all the time when I'm sleeping, whatever. I'm here. It's fun for me. You know, I just, there's something about happiness. Like, especially when you find a good lad and you're like, damn, this was an awesome figure. Or, That's an awesome vehicle. I'm going to clean it, fix it up, put the parts and pieces in it and stuff like that. So that's what I really like to do. What? I know there's always difficulties, especially running a shop and, and finding stuff. What's probably... What would you say is the most difficult part of buying and selling right now? Competition, that's for sure. I, yeah. mean, I can't keep up with some of these guys. 
Um, you know, the competition in Chicago is horrendous. Like, you know, you're going up against, you know, when we, me and Eric started this about uh, a year and a half, a little bit over a year and a half ago, um, maybe there was a handful of toy shops, maybe five or six in the Chicagoland area. Well, now, I mean, they're opening toy shops like, you know, selling Funko Pops and Marvel Legends and all this other stuff. And then you're trying to compete against them. Eric and me, our mindset is definitely going into um, keeping it more vintage. But as time goes on and progresses, you got to get the younger generation of kids, like the Marvel Legends and the Funko Pops and some of the other stuff. That's why I've been trying to get some of the newer stuff for everybody, DC Legends too. What is something that realistically you wish you could change about the toy resale industry? I, I know that's a tough question. Like if there's one thing you could realistically change. I just think it's, uh, there's a lot of people out there that they bad mouth everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I am the kind of person, kind hearted where if Joe Schmo got a huge Star Wars collection. I'm so happy for them and stuff like that. In the toy business, as people know, they talk smack about everybody and everything and you sell garbage and all this other stuff. You know, you, it gets kind of out of hand. You know what I mean? There's yeah. a couple people right now that, like, they talk a lot of smack about everybody and stuff like that. And, you know, it's entrepreneurship and I understand that and... I wish everybody good luck, but it's just a lot of people, it's like they're jealous of that person. You know, you open a shop, you know, you got some cool stuff in your shop, and but that shop doesn't. So what does he do? He badmouths you and goes back and forth. But, well, and I think that's something that a lot of people complain about right now in, in toy collecting and toy selling and toy buying is, is that massive amount of negativity. And that's something that we've commented on a lot with other people who've done these interviews where the biggest thing they say is just so negative. Oh, it's horrible. And I don't know the right solution to it other than you find your pocket of positivity and you stick there. But back to the actual functional part. Uh, so historically you've done um, a lot of toy shows before you opened up the shop. You, you yes, did a ton, uh, especially at Kane County. Um, why did you choose to open a shop, and are are there any benefits to owning a shop over doing shows? Shop is always fun. Me, I, if people have known me for the last, I got kind of out of hand, and I was buying so much, I didn't know what to do with. And then Eric and I were him and Han about opening a shop, and we're going back and forth, and then we finally, unfortunately, opened the shop right before the week of COVID, and they shut <laughs> us down. So it was kind of a bad thing, but I believe in God, and my mom is very religious, and I am too, and I really believe in God does everything for a reason, and I know it sounds bad to say, yes, we were open and closed at the same time, but it gave me and Eric the opportunity to put the shop together, put the stuff on the shelves, organize stuff, go through parts and pieces. Like, I don't think if we were actually open we would be able to have ever done anything like that. 
Yeah, and having that lead time, I think, is also super important. And that is one of the weird things about COVID that a lot of people benefited from is all of a sudden they had time that they never had before. So on the flip side of that, are there any benefits to only doing shows and not having a shop? Well, doing the shows is a lot of work. I mean, you got to take everything off, the racks and take all your Star Wars and all your G.I. Joe and all your human and all your good stuff and, you know, bring everything that you want to keep in the shop or you don't want in the shop and get rid of it at the show and bring it on to or send it on its way to the next lovely home, you know. So, but having a shop is a lot of work. It's no joke. I mean, if people know me, I've been here for the last three months kicking butt, kicking names. Like, I've been organizing parts and pieces. I've been taking tons of bins that I've had for probably 10 years. I've been sitting in, like, Joe, Star Wars, Eevee, Transformers. I mean, now I've been able, luckily, to start organizing the shop where it needs to be and be putting a special place it needs to be. Well, great segue into my exact next question. Your shop is notoriously organized, something that is noticed by a lot of people who come in here, especially compared to some of the other shops in the area, where they're a wonderful organized chaos. But yours is very separate from that. Yours, you can tell where things are and where they belong. What's the thought process on that? Is that something to encourage people to find what they're looking for faster? Is it for your own sake of knowing what you have? For us, Eric is very anal, and he wants his place with his family clean, organized, because when Mr. So-and-so comes to the shop and he needs that certain figure, well, there you go, sir, and everybody that comes to the shop knows my shop is your shop. So he him or her or whatever will come behind the uh, the cabinets and or the counter top and find their item that they need, like their certain figure, being and transformers. It's all well organized where everything is. And for me, for us, our thing is have a nice, neat place that people will come. Yeah. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I, I, I mean, looking around and watching people today that... That was a great experience, seeing how people were interacting with your store and checking everything out. They could find things, and if you can find something, you're going to buy it. If you can't find it, you're not going to buy it. Mm -hmm. And there's not a whole lot here that isn't organized, and even the stuff that's not organized, you can easily get to. So I think that's a very important part overall, especially for collectors these days. There are still collectors who like spontaneously buying whatever they find interesting, and then there are some who are... I'm looking for He-Man. I need a He-Man. Uh, I, I need a Mechanek. He's got to have good armor. He's got to have a good weapon. That's where I got to go with this. So a few more questions that we'll kind of zip through. Um, have you ever purchased a toy for a child, especially a vintage toy for a child, because you thought it'd be fun based on your own experiences? No, I haven't. Yeah. Do you do any toy modifications or customs, like painting, building, anything like that? No, I don't. 
Do you have uh, one of those stories uh, where your parents got rid of all your toys in one spot, came home, and gone? Uh, this goes back to probably high school, but uh, we had a garage sale, and my dad kept out and bring up your toys that you don't want and stuff like that. And like, no, leave my toys alone. Just don't touch my stuff. There's a reason why they're in this in the basement in the in, in the boxes. Just leave them alone, Dad. Please don't sell them. But what does my father do? He comes up to me. I get off of school at say three o'clock. I walk in. I said, "Oh, Dad, how's the garage sale?" He goes, "Yeah, you believe this? I sold those He-Man figures you had for oh. a dollar a piece." I'm like, "You do what?" And luckily, he didn't get. He only sold like three or four of them, and then I had. Uh, the, um, the Raider, I forgot the first name of it, but I had that, and he sold all my stuff. I was going to cry. I'm like, no! Thank God he didn't touch my Star Wars toys in World War Three for sure at the house. Yeah, that's one of the crazy things with a lot of garage sales and friends I've talked to, because a lot of friends have moved on from toys. They, they appreciate what I have, and they say, oh, hey, I had that, but... I've got a good friend of mine who gave away all of his Ghostbusters toys. He had a ton of them and just gave them away to the neighbor kids. And, you know, that's great. I mean, maybe some of those kids couldn't have toys and he's sharing that, um, you know, the joy that they could have with it. Yeah, and the experience. But at the same rate, um, you know, we can always get into the philosophy of they're just things. You know, you don't need them. You can't take them with you. But... Also, things also represent comfort. They represent joy and happiness. And, you know, it, you, you can still get that from them. So there's always that huge debate. And that's not actually part of this interview. That's part of our three-part series we're going to be doing later on. And I don't know when. Um, anyways, moving on. Uh, so I think I know the answer to this one. Have you ever considered just being done with toys, stopping as a collector, just walking away from it or selling everything and going away? This might be a loaded question, so if you don't want to answer it, I understand. No, I mean, honestly, I mean, I love my toys, and I love the happiness it brings me. Uh, sometimes it gets very overwhelming for me, but then, like, on the flip side, when I have a bad day, and uh, I could sit there, and I can look at these toys and bring, like, experiences back in my head and memories that happened back, you know, almost 40 years ago. I can't. I just love them. I, there's something of passion I have about it. And, and most collectors can understand. Like, I could never in a million years. Like, stuff that's sentimental, like my parents gave I could never get rid of. That's something I'll always yep. have. Yeah, I, I have a, a Ninja Turtle figure buried. Some Like, I know where it is. But it was something that, obviously, my, my mom had gotten for me. It had broken. And she kind of Frankenstein to try to repair it for me. So it's like half Raphael, She's half Leonardo. Yeah, she was just doing her best to try to bring it back. And, uh, you know, that's some stuff like that that you don't really ever get past. All right, so a couple more fun questions before we close out. Sure, sure. What is something that doesn't have a toy, but you'd love to have in toy form? Could be anything in your life that you could have shrunk down. Could be a, a roller coaster, theme park ride. It could be Wrigley Field. <laughs> this part has been edited. Ha ha ha. You'll never know what was actually here. <laughs> All right, well, then let's flip it. What's a toy that you'd love to have scaled up? And functional for real people, anything realistically. So realistically, like a real life uh, Darth Vader. Yeah. Oh, just have you know. In more stormtrooper. 
See, I thought you'd probably go with like a terror drum or. Sweetie, uh, sweetie, uh, I'm gonna be gone for a little while. I'm gonna go visit the terror drum. <laughs> you gotta go hang out with those two twins, uh, Tom X and Zamod or Zamod or mm-hmm. whatever. Nobody liked talking to Zamod anyways because they didn't know his name. All right, so this might also be a- an interesting question. Uh, this is where a lot of husbands, in fact, sort of stutter a little bit. How have how has your spouse dealt with your your toy uh, passions and collections? Well, if people know me, I have a problem with toys like normal. And uh, last week, I had almost twenty packages delivered to my house. They were stacked, literally stacked high, real high. I got home, and my wife is like, "I'm disgusted." I am done with you. Look at this house. It's filled with boxes. I'm like, honey, I love you. I bought a pair of shoes and then the other thing was okay. But, you know, I, I, it's fun. I love collecting. I love the hunt. It's, it's like, you know, but she doesn't understand it, you know, because I stopped going to the bar. I stopped drinking and stuff like that for like now since my third kid has come. And it's just like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't mind going to the bar once in a month. But, um, you know, I don't go out and party like I used to. The days are kind of pretty much over. Maybe once a year or twice a year with the guys. But now it's just like, you know, so this is like, oh, I'm not cheating on you and stuff like that. I go and party and stuff. I love my toys. You see me. You see me on the kitchen table. Disassembling everything. Cleaning, fixing, doing everything for it, you know. And then she then, when I kind of put her back to ease, then she's okay with it, you know. Yeah. She knows I have a passion for it. And hopefully in five, six years when I retire from my current job, then I'm definitely going to do this pretty much full time. I mean, if I, I think if I could be here full time, I think I would really kill it. I think if I was here more, I'd do a lot better, you know. Well, uh, back to a, a more fun question. That's always a difficult one for a lot of people. So if you could create a toy line, perfect toy line or perfect toy based on anything you want. It could be something that exists that you want to update and toys could do anything you wanted. What would you want to create? Millennium Falcon. Like a big one, little one? A huge one. Like, like how big are we talking about? Life size. Life size? One of one. One of one. That you go play in as, as your own little clubhouse. Pretty much. Yeah. I had the bank there. Unfortunately, I live in the city, so in Chicago, our lots are small, but I would definitely build a million and help them with that guy. I think he was in England. He was a carpenter. And his kid loved Star Wars, and he built them an attic thing. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember that. No, a couple I, years ago. Yeah. Time, like at Christmas, he built his son in it. I'm like, that's goals I have on TV. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine having the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon as like a home theater oh, for four people, it. you know, and uh, they have their own little, uh, whatever that little lounge space that they have in there. That's where you sit with your buddies, watch a football game, all that stuff. Um, that would that would be really cool. Uh, so last two questions. What is one piece of advice you would give to the toy collecting fandom of the collectors that are out there that you deal with on a daily basis? If you can give them one piece of advice, what would it be? Go to somebody who you trust and like, and they take care of you. I think it's, for me, it's for my customers. And, but I don't consider people that walk into my shop customers friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, the people that come in here, 
I treat them like my friends. You know what I mean? I mean, I always give them good deals, but, you know, I, it's, it's a passion that we all have as collectors. And if I can get back to one guy or girl or some kid and make their faces happy, then that means the world to me. That's, and that's the one thing I noticed. Almost everybody I dealt with in here, I stuck up conversations with. One guy came in, we talked for about 20 minutes uh, about everything from collecting to Disney World to spouses and, and what it's like being a collector with a spouse. Uh, there's some really great people out there, and when you make that connection, it's more than just a business. It's, yeah, it, became, it, it becomes more of a community. Uh, and then when it comes to kids, you got three of your own. What's advice you give to kids who enjoy toys? Play with them, beat them up, have fun with it. My uh, soon-to-be two-year-old, my middle daughter, uh, she, like my son, he was into like Hot Wheels and stuff like that. But then when my middle daughter, Madison, she just loves the G.I. Joe toys. Oh, my God. She brings out the tanks and the cars and the trucks and bangs them all over. And to see her play with my toys, it's kind of fun. Like, it like makes me happy because... She's got the same passion I do. I mean, she calls them go-go's. But, you know, if you got little ones, they love that stuff. And I hope she takes after my bug. I don't think my wife will be too happy. But uh, definitely, she loves toys and trucks and stuff. She starts bringing in the cash you start bringing, you know, you bring on a regular basis. I think your wife's going to be just fine with that. Oh, yeah. You know, if she's seven years old and flipping G.I. Joe's, you know, she's going to be just fine. Uh, yeah, I you know, and that's awesome. It's like I, I agree that you know when it comes to toys, kids should play with them and Absolutely. they should go nuts with them and take them out in the woods. And, um, you know, I always give the advice just because looking as a collector now, I just say, hey, put everything back in a Ziploc bag when you're done. Though, don't oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, don't sure. lose that mask. Don't that's lose. How I was, I was, I was horrible. I always, always, as soon as we we had our battles and stuff in my bedroom or outside or at my buddy's house in their living room and stuff. I would always make sure that all my stuff came back to uh, the right place I had in the carrying cases, especially my uh, Star Wars and G.I. Joe figures. Well, Michael, this has been fun. I really appreciate uh, your time and, you know, bringing me on board uh, the Times Past Collectibles ship. I'm calling it the uh, TPC. So I'm just going to refer to it in the future, the cool way of the TPC. (laughs) Um, hopefully people know what I'm talking about when I say that, but, uh, yeah, it was, this was a great opportunity. I'm, I'm, I look forward to continuing on and then, you know, we'll, we'll see if we can bring you on for future episodes. Absolutely. Talk about it. stuff. Thank you very much yeah. for you and Mike having me in your show and, uh, guys, uh, come to the shop. I think if you're in the, like the vintage toy lines, we got a pretty decent selection of stuff. So, uh, thank you very much for, uh, having me on your show and good luck and God bless guys and thank you. Yeah, check out Times Past Collectibles on Facebook. Uh, give them a like. They they do post pretty regularly on their hours and if they have any specials, uh, Michael here right across from me does do some live uh, videos every so often talking about things that have come into the shop and, and what are some uh, you know, really exciting events that they got going on. Uh, we do have the Chicago Toy Show October 24th over in Kane County. Um, even if you are not a Chicago local or in, in Illinois, it is worth flying in for. It's at 525 South Randall Road in St. Charles. 
check it out. It's again Chicago Toy Show, October 24th. Check that out. We will be there slinging toys. I'll be wearing my bright orange vest, being as obnoxious as I possibly can be. Uh, thanks again, Michael. And uh, Thank you. yeah, we'll talk to you soon. After listening to that through the editing, I realized that this is two months late or three months late or something because Josh mentions the Chicago Toy Show, which was October 24th. So that's a little delayed. Well, at least this podcast was a little delayed. Life was going on with me, and sadly, um, <laughs> it uh, is not going so well right now. Karen, my lovely wife slash ex-wife, I have to say that because of governmental reasons, it is what it is, but she passed away November 6th, 2021. So, yeah, I've been kind of running on autopilot, and I want to apologize to Michael at Times Past Collectibles, I want to apologize to Josh and everybody, but I just could not deal with certain things and even though I've done podcasts in the last two months I almost forgot about this one I know we had it I know I had to edit it but it just everything has just been so crazy so ToyCast will continue in 2022 I don't know if myself and Josh and Das are going to do a Christmas episode or whatever we're going to do if we do anything for Christmas, since Christmas is literally right around the corner. I hope everyone had an awesome, as awesome as you can have, 2021. I hope everyone who used to listen to the podcast, or everyone who is now listening to the ToyCast, enjoyed our return this year. We do have plans to continue the show next year so stay tuned and we will catch you next time here on toycast 